Welcome to Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast designed for small business owners, the backbone of the American economy. Join us as our hosts, Austin and Landon, share insights and experiences as small business owners, active investors and operators who have started, bought, sold, and grown several successful businesses. Tycoons is powered by Backbone Planning Partners, a business consulting and wealth management firm built specifically to serve small and medium-sized businesses. Well, well, well. See that? That's what I call a reveal. My desk is still coming up as the video comes on. You get to see me in my full glory. Landon, buddy, Tycoons of Small Biz 2024. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir, man. I'm I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped. Yeah, I love that new video. Rachel Hunter, shout out to, to her, our production manager. She's done a fantastic job putting that together and uh, excited for the new iteration of, uh, of Tycoons of Small Biz. Yeah, indeed, my friend. Yep. Thank you, Rachel. She's uh, she is the uh, brains behind all the uh, graphics and pretty much all our social media stuff podcast management uh amongst many other things she does so yeah yeah absolutely she's done a great job and and we're excited for what uh what the future looks like for tycoons and and for us at backbone planning partners as well so um we've kind of already done an intro to to how this is gonna how this is gonna go but we're making a big shift so we've done 170 ish episodes of tycoons of small biz over the last three and a half years and we're making a shift we've gotten some feedback from some people that we've uh, interacted with online and, and uh, also past guests that said, you know, they'd like to hear some of the advice that that we give to our clients or things that we come across and, and so forth. And so this is our attempt to do that. So today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, shifting money from your business to your personal balance sheet. So Landon, what does that mean to you? Yeah. <clears throat> well, We've got 20 to 30 minutes slated for this, uh, but uh, maybe rather than talk about that topic, we should just have you spend 20 or 30 minutes and, uh, you know, uh, in depth, give us a, a detailed analysis of, of what all those letters mean uh, behind your name. And then uh, we'll just punt this episode to the next one. What do you think? <laughs> it might take a couple hours to go through that. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. Every time we look at doing something different and, you know, they say there's an, you know, and you can get a designation for it. It's like, I don't know if I need another designation, but, you know, obviously a, an MBA that's semi, you know, self-explanatory going to business school, the CFP certified financial planner that I think is the most important one. That's one that I use every single day for our clients. Um, and then the certified business exit consultant is, is important for most of our clients who are, are getting ready or preparing for an eventual exit. And then the last one, certified plan fiduciary advisor. That just means that, that I have some expertise in working with um, corporate retirement plans. So for the most part, that's 401k plans, but there are many different iterations of, of uh, retirement plans. Yes, you do, sir. Yes, you do. And I miss CLU. See, that's the problem. There's too many of them. But yeah. CLU is Chartered Life Underwriter. That's just uh, an expertise in, in life insurance and, and using that as a planning tool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, shifting money from uh, 
biz uh, balance sheet to the personal. You know, that's a that's a term that I I uh, use very regularly. And uh, yeah, excited to just kind of jump into that and like, what the heck does that even mean? And uh, what that means to me is, you know, obviously a lot of the clients that we work with, uh, ex- essentially all of our new clients just the last couple of years are, are all private business owners. And just to give people a sense, like we're generally working with small businesses, about three to $20 million of revenue. That's kind of a typical client for, for us to work with. Um, and a lot of times, uh, because they are successful businesses, um, at least, you know, from, from a revenue standpoint, you know, when you think about a, a business that's doing three or five or 10 or $15 million revenue, you would immediately jump to the conclusion that that is a successful business. And from a revenue generation standpoint, you would be correct. Uh, however, as we know, uh, because we work very intimately with a lot of business owners, uh, we also um, talk to a lot of prospective clients who are business owners who uh, don't turn out to be a good fit. So the point is, we see a lot of small businesses and we get an inside kind of look. So we're really lifting up the hood and looking at all the moving pieces of the business to determine if we think we can be valuable to them as, as one of their advisors um, and invite. Okay. So uh, moving, moving uh, money from biz balance sheet to personal balance sheet. So there's a lot of different ways that we can do that. And we'll talk about how some of those, uh, how some of those work pros and cons and kind of everything in between. But um when we when we think about like why is that a relevant topic to talk about um i would say in probably 80 percent of our engagements uh, there's really no strategy or plan around um how that's handled so what i mean by that is that um <clears throat> a lot of business owners have um, either too much or not enough cash on their business balance sheets. Austin, would you agree with that? I mean, generally speaking. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually, there's really typically no in between. It's either one or the other extreme. It They have too much or they don't have enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, generally when, when that is the case, there's several things that, that tend to pop up. Um, if you don't have enough money on your business balance sheet, then um, you can run into all kinds of issues, right? Uh, We've all experienced these issues as small business owners, right? Uh, Not enough cash, you know, to uh, run payroll. Uh, Not enough cash to make uh, a capital expenditure, AKA buying a a vehicle, a a piece of equipment, you know, um, et cetera. Um, Not enough capital to fund a, growth plan. So, I mean, the list goes, goes on and on and on. Obviously the, the challenges with not having enough capital, you know, on the balance sheet, uh, is pretty, pretty obvious. Uh, but we see that very regularly. And then the, the, the opposite side of that spectrum is having too much cash on the business balance sheet. And you may say, well, how, how the heck can you have too much cash on your business balance sheet? And the answer to that is, 
Austin and I talk a lot about like cash that you have working for you and cash that you have sitting on the beach drinking margaritas. So finding that healthy balance between the two of those is imperative because if you've got a bunch of cash that's sitting on your business balance sheet for no particular reason and that money isn't sitting there doing any productive uh, doing anything productive for you why why would you keep that on your business balance sheet so austin maybe you can address that you know um so that that's not just a rhetorical question but like why why do people generally keep way too much cash on their business balance sheet like in your experience yeah i mean honestly the the reality is most of the time it comes down to two things either lack of understanding of what else it could or should be doing and then the second one is many of the much of the time i should say uh psychological they look at it and they say well having that cash there makes me feel comfortable I lived through 2008, I lived through COVID, I did this, I did that. And so having that extra cushion of cash makes me feel comfortable as a business owner. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I don't even think you and I have talked about this, but one of our clients this week had sent me an email in response to something that we were working on. And one of the questions that I had asked was, how much cash do you have right now that isn't already earmarked for something else, right? And the response that I got back was about $50,000, right? And I'm looking at his portal with us and I'm seeing that there's over a million dollars in cash, right? And so I responded and said, okay, you know, we can make a plan for the $50,000, but what about the little bit over a million dollars that's sitting there in cash? What is that earmarked for? And the response that I got was a catastrophic incident that will cover payroll for X period of time. Hmm. And, and that period of time is longer than it should be based on their revenue stream, based on how long they've been in business, based on, you know, those sorts, you know, those sorts of things. But it, it comes down to a psychological, they feel safe having that much money in cash. Mm -hmm. Yeah, super, super interesting. We, I feel like we, we run into that quite, quite a bit, you know, where there is a, um, a psychological pull that we experience as small business owners uh, to to carry an excessive amount of cash on our balance sheets because um, although we are generally speaking entrepreneurs are risk takers right um, in the sense of of starting something or or you know building something growing something or acquiring something whatever the case may be we're certainly big risk takers but uh, generally, you know, entrepreneurs, um, I, I would even say more than generally, I mean, the majority of the time, like they don't consider themselves, you know, risk takers, you know, uh, I, I, I mean, I hear that a lot from our clients where it's like, oh, yeah, like, I just want, I, I don't want to take a big risk with that. Or, oh, that's, I don't want to be really risky, you know, with that. Or, or I'm, I'm risk averse, you know, even here sometimes. <laughs> which is really interesting because it's kind of counterintuitive to how we're wired as entrepreneurs. Um, but um, 
we do see that a lot where, you know, uh, somebody has an excessive amount of, of capital on the balance sheet. So what is that? What does that actually mean? Like an excessive amount? I'll give my thoughts on that. Then you can you can share yours. But I would say like an excessive amount of cash on the balance sheet would be anything more than. I would say six, six months, uh, maybe eight months um, at the absolute at the absolute max. And when you get past that, uh, I, I think it's just it's just overkill. Um, let me let me expound upon that. So generally speaking, a, a good rule of thumb is two to three months of operating capital should be on the business balance sheet at at all times as a minimum. So if it costs you a hundred thousand dollars a month to run your business, you should have two to three hundred thousand dollars in cash um, on your on your business balance sheet at any given time. Once you get into four, five, six plus months of operating, you know, capital um, on a monthly basis in cash, um, I, I think you're just getting into a point where it's just. Um, it's excessive and it's it's overkill. Now, that being said, um, you know we're going to talk about you know what you can do with some of that cash that is on your balance sheet. But um, I don't know. I mean, Austin, do you do you agree with that? Like, once you get above you know four to six months of operating capital, like it's just it's kind of excessive. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, there are exceptions to every rule, right? Yeah. I mean, there are some businesses where we would recommend more than that. There are some businesses where we would recommend less than that, right? I mean, I, I think of a business that has a very sustainable recurring revenue stream that's that can be counted on. There's, you know, maybe contracts in place and, and there's just this, this revenue that's flowing and growing every single month, you know, where it's different than a transaction-based company, right? Um, they may be able to get by with one to one and a half months of operating capital, right? So, you know, there's an exception to every rule, but but in general, yes, I I do believe with I I do agree with you there. So let's 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 cite a couple examples there. I'll ex, I'll, I'll cite an example of the of the shorter end of that spectrum. And then maybe you can think about a uh, a one that maybe needs to have six to twelve months. But our our business is a great example. So Backbone Planning Partners, which is a registered investment advisory firm that Austin and I. Uh, co-owned together. Um, we have recurring revenue that comes into our practice every month. Um, and uh, yeah, the market can go down. Yeah, sure. We could, you know, we could lose, you know, we could lose a client or two um, in a short period of time. Uh, but generally, because our industry, if you're doing a, you know, a, a decent job, a good job of serving clients, they tend to stick with you for years, decades, you know, <laughs> usually. Um, and so our revenue is very predictable on a month to month basis. And so we only keep about uh, six to eight weeks of working capital in our business. Um, <clears throat> that's changing a little bit uh, because we have uh, a, a pretty expensive, at least expensive to us, uh, new hire planned in the first quarter, which will be about a Seventy to ninety thousand dollar a year higher for us. Um, so right now we're we're going to be sitting on a little bit more uh, cash than we normally would, 
Uh, but again, it's because we've got that earmarked for something very specific because we may have to pay them some kind of like an onboarding type, you know, bonus, uh, something similar to that. And then obviously our, our monthly expenses are going to go up, you know, quite a bit. So um, that's how we're kind of, you know, planning for that adjustment. But uh, we know very confidently that we've got, um, I don't know exactly what the number is, but probably an average of about forty to $60,000 a month that comes in in recurring revenue. And it's, it's, I'd say it's 95 to 98% predictable. So we know with a very high level of confidence that that revenue is going to be hitting our, our balance sheet every month. And so for us, we are perfectly comfortable having, you know, 30 to 60 days of operating capital on our uh, business balance sheet. But I don't know, Austin, is there something you can, a business that you can think of to where it makes sense to have maybe four or six plus months of, of cash on the books? Yeah. I mean, I think the flip side to that is, is, uh, you know, I think of companies that can be seasonal, right. For example, and let, let's say, for example, they, they need a specific type of weather to, to do what they do and they can't control when it gets warm enough or cold enough or whatever to do that. And they may have to employ some people for a certain period of time to make sure that they have them so that they're ready to go, you know, at a moment's notice, et cetera, when the weather does change, um, or they've got contracts that are going to expire, you know, different things that they're just not quite sure are going to renew, for example. So having an extra buffer in that type of, of a case or that type of a scenario makes sense to me. Other than that, it, it's got to be that scenario that you just laid out with us where we're, we're stockpiling some extra cash because we know that we're going to be making an additional hire. And so if businesses know that they're going to either make an additional hire, make an investment in some sort of equipment, makes an investment in some sort of marketing, like, okay, then you can start to stockpile some additional cash before you deploy it. But if there's not a specific reason for that capital, capital to be sitting there in cash, and I'm talking dollar bills, right? Like sitting in a checking account, savings account, earning nothing, like you like to say, drinking margaritas on the beach, there needs to be a plan for it. It's either got to be a plan to deploy it somewhere else inside of the business as a reinvestment that's going to grow your business to a different level and increase your revenue, increase your profitability, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Or it's what we're talking about today where, okay, that money doesn't need to be sitting on, on the balance sheet. Specifically, if you own and operate a pass-through entity, you've already paid taxes on that as the owner of that entity. And it's sitting there doing absolutely nothing for you or for the organization. And so we got to have a plan for moving that to that to that personal balance sheet. And, you know, I'll let, I'll turn it back to you here in just a second. But the, the big thing that we're that we're looking at is the reality is most business owners, the large majority, and I'm talking 80 percent or more, many, it's 100 percent of their net worth is literally tied up in the business. Mm -hmm. Well, that is the that is the definition of risky right you've got all of your eggs literally in one basket and so we got to make a, a plan to move some of that over to your personal balance sheet start to build your own personal net worth outside of the business itself yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um so okay let's talk through two things one uh let's talk through the person that uh for 
one reason or another um, has excessive cash on the balance sheet. And let's just, let's classify that as anything more than four months. Let's just say for sake of conversation, anything more than four months of working capital on their balance sheet. Uh, so let's talk through the person that does not want to uh, shift it from the business balance sheet to the personal. So let's talk through that first. And then uh, second, we will talk through uh, how, what are some ways that we can shift it from biz to, to personal? So for the first topic there, um, let's talk through somebody that does want to leave that capital in the business. Let's talk through some, some ideas, uh, some opportunities for them to do something more productive with that cash that's sitting on the, on the personal balance sheet. You want to kick us off? Yeah. I mean, if, if they're wanting to leave it on the, on the balance sheet, we would essentially typically have a conversation with them to find out, okay, why, and what is the, what is the intent, right? And that will help us to hone in on what a strategy might look like. And, and most of the time it's, you know, they're planning for something, a large purchase or a large investment in the future. Um, Sometimes, like I mentioned before, it's that psychological thing. I just, I just want to have it there and I don't want to have to then shift it back from my personal assets if, if needed. Um, and so it may just be something that's, that's a very conservative portfolio, but that gives them access to something beyond just sitting in the checking or savings account. So it could be a combination of money market. It could be a combination of CDs. It could be a combination of treasury bills. Um, and then we would probably put some sort of, you know, equity securities, stocks and bonds, excuse me, stocks, mutual funds, exchange traded funds, you know, some sort of equity exposure to, to augment that opportunity without taking on more risk than they're comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. Because obviously the, the, the big downside to leaving that money in a checking or savings is that um, it's not doing anything productive for you. Right. Um, so I'll, I'll use, you know, the other business that I own, the tree business. You know, when we bought that business back in June, we capitalized it with one hundred thousand dollars of working capital, which was uh, about um, about two months, about two, two, two and a half months of working capital, essentially. Um, and we have not really pulled any money out of that business. So everything has essentially been either reinvested or just kind of building up in cash. So we capitalize it with a hundred right now, the business sits with about $200,000 of cash. Um, so we're getting close to that excessive point. Um, but we are going to buy, we, 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 we were very intentional in doing that because we're about to buy a, you know, $150,000 piece of equipment in, in quarter one. So we're going to depart with, you know, 50 to $75,000 of cash in order to purchase this new piece of equipment. Uh, however, um, that money was sitting in a checking account and that, that wasn't working for me because it doesn't pay anything. So the bank that we bank with um, did was doing a promotion and uh, offered 4.6% uh, guaranteed for the next 12 months. So what did we do? We had $200,000 of cash. So we moved 
$150,000 over to the savings account and 50,000 will remain in the checking. So technically we still have $200,000 of cash on the balance sheet, except 150,000 of that now is giving us, you know, four and a half percent guaranteed for the next 12 months. So then it will, it'll fluctuate with market conditions after that. So that's certainly something that you can do. Um, just put it into a higher yielding savings or a money market account, because uh, obviously rates are high right now. Whereas 12, 18 months ago, uh, moving it into a savings account did essentially nothing beneficial for you because it would, it might've paid instead of paying 0.05 in a checking, it paid, you know, 0.1% in a savings, which, you know, it's going to buy you a, a cup of coffee at the end of the year. If you're, if you're lucky, that obviously has changed now, you know, savings accounts can be paying two, three, four, uh, five plus percent. So, um, park that money in a savings account at a bare minimum. Um, and then like Austin alluded to, there's other cash management strategies that, you know, you can, you can potentially earn a much higher return than what you're earning in your checking account, which is zero. Um, and some of that stuff, you know, uh, treasuries obviously are, are backed by the, the full faith of the federal government. Um, CDs are, are, uh, guaranteed interest, you know, guaranteed by the financial institution that's offering it. Um, so all those types of vehicles where just a short 18 months ago, we're paying essentially nothing are now paying something pretty meaningful. So there are definitely, uh, some good cash management opportunities to explore. Yeah, no doubt about it. Cool. Um, so, all right. So now let's talk about, uh, the individual that has a bunch of cash on their business balance sheet, it's really not earmarked for anything specific. It's just been building up and they just haven't done anything with it. Let's talk through that scenario uh, as to, you know, um, why they would want to move it and how uh, are some of the different ways that we actually go about doing that. Yeah, I mean, first one I kind of already mentioned, right? I mean, it's it's the importance of diversifying your net worth, right? So we want to move some of your net worth from your business to your personal balance sheet. And so by moving it out of the business and into your personal assets, that's already diversifying, you know, your assets and your net worth. But then after that, it's okay, how do we build your own personal net worth? And, and, and why do we do that? I mean, the real reason that this is important as a business owner is, you know, I've, I've been doing this 23 years and, and the number of times that I've heard my business is my retirement plan. Like if I had a dollar for every time somebody said that to me, like I could have retired 10 years ago, right? I mean, it's, it's just this, it's this thought process and this belief that their business is their retirement plan, right? Mm -hmm. Their only asset and their retirement plan. And unfortunately the statistics are not in their favor. The reality is 80% of all businesses or more, it depends on which statistics you're looking at will never transact. Right. And so that means you never sell it. You never generate any kind of a lump sum of money to be able to retire on. And so, the idea is to build your own financial independence outside of the business. And then if we're able to sell the business, great. That's that's a cherry on top, right? 
we and we hope to and and that's a lot of what we do in our in our practice is to help businesses to get ready to actually be able to effectuate a transaction and and you know get that lump sum of money but it's all about diversification let's get some net worth over here and if we have that great cherry on top but the other thing that's important to realize as a business owner is if you are completely financially independent outside of ever selling your business mm -hmm. one you have options right maybe you don't have to sell it maybe you just continue to run it as an absentee owner maybe one of your kids takes it over and they're able to generate income from it and then you know maybe sell it in the future but the last thing that I think, and I think it's probably the most important, is you now have the negotiating strength. You don't have to sell that business at any number until you're completely comfortable because you're financially independent, independent of your business. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, it's it's a game changer. You know, it's a game changer uh, to get to that point. Because when you get to that point, um, if you have a, if, if you get divorced, if you have a partner dispute, if you get sick, you know, and you've got to effectuate some kind of a fire sale because something happens in your life or, you know, whatever. Being at that point, though, where, where you are financially independent outside of your business, it just gives you so many options and it gives you so much flexibility to to do what you want with the business when that time comes uh, because like you said i mean um when you get to that point where you're financially independent of your business um and you decide that you know it's kind of time to move on to greener pastures or you want to open up a new chapter or whatever you want to put that behind you you can you can do whatever you want you can sell the business. You can, you know, hire a really high quality general manager or a CEO and work with them for three or six or 12 months until they can essentially run that business, you know, independent of you. So it just provides you with options and options are really good to have um, in, in this particular case. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, we're pushing up against 30 minutes. We, we are trying to keep these much shorter than we have in the past. So is there anything in addition that you think we should hit on real quick before we sign off for the day? Yep. Yep. One, one thing, um, you know, uh, obviously Austin and I are not CPAs or attorneys. So when you are moving money from your business balance sheet to your personal balance sheet, um, always, loop your tax professional you know obviously you can loop your attorney and that's generally not not necessary but you can make that determination yourself but um although austin and i have been doing this for a long time and we've helped many 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 clients do this and do it thoughtfully and strategically we always loop in the tax professional uh into that discussion because uh one it's 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 just a good best practice. And two, they might have some insights, thoughts, experiences, advice um, in how to in how to go about doing that. So um, always loop your tax professional in when you're doing something like this, because not every company is is an LLC or a pass through. So there could there could absolutely be tax implications when you are doing this. So loop your tax professional in, you know, um, 
pay them for 30 minutes or an hour of their time and uh, just just do it, do it thoughtfully. But again, with pass through entities, most likely you've already paid tax on that money that's sitting on your balance sheet. So uh, it generally makes sense to look into strategies to move that on your personal balance sheet. And we didn't even get into the whole liability aspect of, you know, you're keeping all this cash on your business balance sheet. There's obviously liabilities um, that could potentially come up. And uh, although uh, there could be some protections there, um, the, the more cash that is sitting on your balance sheet, uh, the more that could potentially be exposed to, you know, creditors, predators, uh, in-laws and outlaws. So um, keep that in mind as well. But uh, those are my final thoughts. Yeah, a couple of great points. Um, I just want to put a bow on what you said on looping in your tax professional when you're making that decision. Um, just, just a nugget of wisdom for anybody who's listening. If you are working with a financial advisor and a tax professional and those two people do not know each other and do not communicate with each other, that needs to be fixed. So it's either you've got the wrong professionals or they need to be introduced and, and talk together because the reality is the two of them together are going to come out with the best solution for you rather than each of them giving you advice in a vacuum. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it doesn't hurt to be working with advisors that have extensive experience in the SMB space. <laughs> wink, wink. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. All right, man. All right. This, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I love this new format. Uh, as we get into a groove, you know, we'll be needling each other a lot more folks. So keep, keep, uh, keep uh, on track with us. Stay tuned for that. We'll be having a lot more fun as we kind of settle in and get into a better rhythm, but appreciate you listening and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast for small business owners by small business owners. Be sure to follow us on our social media channels for links to all our episodes and great content around growing, investing in, buying, and selling small businesses. This podcast is distributed for informational purposes only. Statements made in the podcast are not to be construed as personalized investment or financial planning advice, may not be suitable for everyone, and should not be considered as solicitation to engage in any particular investing or planning strategy. Listeners should conduct their own review and exercise judgment or consult with their professional financial advisor to see how the information contained in this podcast may apply to their own individual circumstances. All investing involves risk of loss, including the possible loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and nothing in this podcast should be construed as a guarantee of any specific outcome or profit. All market indices discussed are unmanaged, do not incur management fees, costs, and expenses, and cannot be invested into directly. Investment advisory service is offered by Backbone Planning Partners, LLC. Neither Backbone Planning Partners, LLC, nor its representatives provide legal or accounting advice. The content of this podcast represents the views and opinions of Austin Peterson and Landon Mance, and or the podcast guests, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Backbone Planning Partners, LLC. Statements made in this podcast are subject to change without notice. Neither Backbone Planning Partners, LLC, nor its representatives, the podcast hosts, or its guests have an obligation to provide revised statements in the event of changed circumstances.